Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. I am Alan, and joined by my friend Ski. Hello. And Brent. Holla. And today we're going to be going over uh, Season 2, Episode 8, Vacation. Uh, going to go ahead and do the recap with Ski while we kind of go through and point out our favorite lines and whatnot, and then pick our MVPs and uh, close it out with our uh, score of out of eight slices of cheesecake um, on our quest to determine the best of all time. Now, one quick question for you, Brent, that I don't know, just uh, I was wondering. Yeah, I know that you've, you've uh, Dane, that we're a ninth-rate podcast at this Correct. point. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> now, I know that you said that our talent dictates that regardless of the number of listeners or mm-hmm. anything else, that, that our talent would keep us at a ninth-rate. Mm-hmm. Now, what if we were to insert, um, I don't know, like a, little musical portions uh, to kick off our segments. Like there's a, a podcast oh. I listen to currently that's a, a pretty good one called Baby Geniuses. Okay. And they have like regular segments they do every episode. Okay. I um, mean, before each segment, I think that one of the hosts' brother is a musician. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they have these little parts that introduce mm-hmm. each segment. Correct. So we had like a little song before um, MVP mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the, the actual rating or whatnot, yeah. or like something like, oh, kicking off the recap, you know, but yeah. <laughs> something like, like that. Kind of like a lot of those old, like, like the nighttime talk shows do. Right, exactly, yeah. Um, so if we were to have like, if some, you know, listeners, yeah, if some listener out there wanted to create those for us and we inserted them, would that <laughs> be enough to bump us up from ninth to eighth or anything higher, or is our talent still hold us down to uh, ninth? It makes no never mind to me. Oh, okay. Uh, see, because those, unless we're like actually playing them while we record them, I'll never hear them. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> well, I'd probably play them for you at least once. So you'd hear them the once. Because yeah. <laughs> so, I wouldn't yeah. want to insert something, because like, what if I inserted it and it was like, I don't know, clan rally type stuff? Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that... Um, I'm supportive of the interstitials, mm-hmm. um, but I prefer if it was like, you know, a big band down here with oh, us okay. <laughs> recording it live. <laughs> it's like, All right, before we go to the slices of cheesecake, take us away, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> so you think like we need to have Doc Severinsen down here? Exactly. If he's even still alive, I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, couldn't we get like Questlove? I think he does the music for, uh, I would love for Jimmy love. Fallon, doesn't he? So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, any of the roots. I oh, take okay. Questlove. I take Black Thought. I take any of them. <laughs> well, I'll see what I can do. But okay. um, my guess is we're not going to be getting a house band anytime soon. Yeah. Um, I think, I think our... a lot of them may be actually not working because of the COVID, though. So, oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, I know it is a very large band. At least, so. at least their you know mm-hmm. their their work was lessened. Right. If you're looking for a good book to read, Questlove's most recent book, Creative Quest, is amazingly good. His Previous book, Mometa Blues. I may be off on that title. I mean, um, it sounds like a, a good title, so I yeah, mean, it would make sense. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it was Mometa Blues. Um, so, anyways, it was really good, but this new one, uh, Creative Quest, even better. Hmm. So, well, is go. it about music or is it about like just um, creativity in general? Uh, obviously, he ties a lot of it back to music, but he also ties it back to cooking and DJing and other interests that he has. Very cool. um, but it's really good. Um, he talks a bit about um, you know meditation and different things like that. And I don't know, there's little things that I picked up and other little things that I was like, oh, I'm already doing that. So hmm. that's a good, good deal. Yeah, yeah, I might have to check that out. Um, yeah. I'm not as well read as I should be, mm-hmm. but uh, that definitely sounds like something to be worthwhile to pick <laughs> up. So. I heartily recommend it. 
It's my book club selection of the week. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we could have that as a section, too. You know, we could have so many sections. We could have be more music than us talking, which... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think, given the rate at which I fly through my recaps, mm-hmm. I'm definitely open to suggestions for how I can sort of pad <laughs> that number. <laughs> I, I did have a little suggestion. I mean, it won't apply now, but it will apply, I'm sure, sometime in the near future. Um, the, in an hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, an hour for us, a week for, for others. Yeah. But um, I was thinking that maybe one thing we could do is, like, at the end of each... Uh, and this could really apply to ski too, but at the end of each act, okay. uh, maybe that would, I don't know, just take a breath so that we can then interject mm. anything that maybe we missed on that act or that we wanted to point out for that particular act. I'm and okay then, with that. You know, I, I don't know. That's because I know there are times when like we'll get through an act and not just yours, this happens all the time, mm-hmm. but then we'll start into the next one. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, we missed something that I wanted to mention, yeah. you know, a half episode ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe we'll, uh, yeah. I don't know, try to work that in. I but know. Um, you don't like that. It's kind of like Tarantino esque. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like an Inception kind of a situation. We jump, you know, like we jump back half an episode. <laughs> re-edit these podcasts <laughs> so they're non-sequential. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever makes me sound the best, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. edit it in such a way. Um, um, I would love if, like, between in like the act break or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had like listener mail. Oh yeah. Know? Oh, uh, that'd be awesome. I mean, that so far. Nice. We're still sitting just on the one comment. Yep. Um, but Hi, Numi. Yeah, so hopefully <laughs> hopefully she hasn't uh, you know, given up on our podcast here in the last... It would be a real shame. to. <laughs> I mean, we would never find out, but if yeah. we actually mentioned that we got the comment and yeah. then she never listened again, never even got to the... Exactly. <laughs> ...where it's brought exactly. up. But, you know, that, that well, is, unless she like emailed us saying, FYI... <laughs> I have stopped listening. Right. Well, then I guess we would know. I have but lost all interest. That would yeah. be a lot of effort to go through to tell. I mean, just to, you know, why don't you just send me a message with the middle finger emoji and then yeah. just leave it at that if you really <laughs> want to go that far. But yeah. I tell you what, Numi, if you're still listening, okay, at some point in time, we will record an episode and I will say the number 37. And when I do, that's the phrase that pays. So send Alan a direct <laughs> message with your address, and we'll send you a postcard. Uh, a postcard. <laughs> well, you know, I guess sending an address from Sweden would probably be relatively safe. I wouldn't necessarily yeah. ask anybody else. And uh, and if if that does happen, Ski and I will certainly sign the postcard, but it will be incumbent upon Brent to send it. So Yeah, yeah. But we'll go in thirdsies on the postage, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, just a, <laughs> <laughs> would that just be first-class mail, do you think, even though it's international? Or do you think we have to pay a little more for that? I bet it's a little extra. Yeah, I bet it is. I okay. bet it's, uh, postcard's probably still pretty cheap, though. Oh, I would yeah. like to think, yeah. So. Newly's worth it. Under yeah. <laughs> under a grand, I would say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, are you willing to commit to sending a postcard to anybody who... Um, contacts us or only if they send a direct message immediately after the episode in which i say the number 37 because that's the phrase that pays oh so anybody who (laughs) sends a direct message through either twitter or facebook yes um that's a at sophia's choice pc um or you can just search for sophia's choice podcast on there and then the the facebook page is sophia's choice podcast so yeah if you send us a message make a comment send us a message within what a day 24 hours after it drops yeah absolutely and only to like the first 10 first 10 okay i can't be mailing postcards to you know all dozen of our listeners (laughs) (laughs) yeah we we 
don't want you to get overwhelmed. Exactly. Cut the simbitch off at 10. Right. He's got a mortgage to keep in mind. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he's got a job. Children, hey. children to feed. Right. Well, you may be thinking that he's probably making so much money off this podcast that he doesn't need a day job. But uh-huh. unfortunately, he, he, uh, he makes a lot of money, but he spends a lot, too. So. I do. None of that money comes from stamps.com. <laughs> so what if there was a way to... To, let's just say, you know, if some company came to us and they wanted to sponsor us, mm-hmm. would you be okay with, um, you know, endorsing a product that mm-hmm. you definitely did not agree with? No, uh, I would uh, not. Okay. So like if, I don't know, Laramie Cigarettes wanted us to <laughs> yeah. advertise, you would turn down the money. From the- yeah. Um, now, but if like the two of you, I think it'd be a majority rules type thing. Oh, okay. So like if the two of you were like, oh, I hardly recommend Laramie cigarettes. Mm. I think I would be like, well, majority rules. Mm, okay. Like I wouldn't be happy about it, but I wouldn't like, you know, you know, try to mess it up for you. All right. Um, so here's something funny. So in my actual, you know, J-O-B, I was, I was talking to a lady and you know, we were doing the, um, you know, the webcast type thing oh, okay. um, through the, the interwebs. I'm trying to be vague because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. So anyways, but, you know, I pointed out, it's like, hey, you know, I'm here in the office and, you know, you may see some ducks walk by me from the window behind me. Um, the other lady who was in the conference room with me, she had her webcam on as well. But behind her was the, um, the doorway and so there may be people walking by behind her. Oh, okay. And I was like, so that's what you'll see here. And this lady was like, oh, you guys are back in the office. And it's like, yeah, yada, yada, yada. And she's like, yeah, um, we're just not really comfortable. Um, they've still kept us at home. Um, they just don't know if it's really safe for us there. Right. <laughs> and I was appreciative of the fact and then she mentioned that, you know, she worked for the parent company of um, R.J. Reynolds Cigarettes. Oh. <laughs> I was like, well, if R.J. Reynolds cares about their employees that much, what the hell's wrong with my boss? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a very valid point. Um. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know what other companies that mm-hmm. you could point out that you'd say, would be more morally questionable um, yeah, yeah. that uh, if, if they're looking out for the best mm-hmm. interest of their employees. Yeah. She um like she was definitely like staring intently into the camera mm-hmm. or into like at her monitor so she could see my reaction mm-hmm. when she dropped the R.J. Reynolds part. Uh. I think she was looking to see if I made like a face of disgust or something like that. Um, but no, my, my immediate thought was just, oh, that's funny. Yeah. And so I just got a big old smile on my face. It's like, well... From what I understand, there's no COVID in flavor country. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Anyways, well, now that we have all that out of the way, and if anybody out there wants a postcard, then you got 24 hours after this drops. Uh, to, not this. Not this. Which, after after the episode where Brent says 37, not this episode. Correct. Because um, that's the phrase that pays. Yeah, the phrase that pays. <laughs> you got 24 hours. It drops at 10 a.m. Eastern time every Monday. So you got till 10 a.m. Eastern time on Tuesday mm-hmm. to send that in, and you'll get a yeah. commemorative posted or a postcard, uh, yes, autographed by uh, the members of this podcast. I actually do have one last question. Oh, go for Correct. it. Correct. Yes. What does? <laughs> <laughs> Thank he, you. He just knew. He knew there was a question. He could tell. <laughs> yeah. 
does 37 represent anything or is this a random number you came up with uh well it's uh originally it was just a kevin smith thing because um, it's a number he always used, okay. and then I just sort of adopted it, and now it's just sort of become you my co-opted own thing. it. Yes, yeah. Sprint's yeah, so now. Uh, exactly. So if I'm doing stuff for work, um, you know, I always include that number some way. Hmm. I like it. Yeah. Now, good. do you still, uh, if you're uh, creating something that requires an email address, you know, as part of a training material, <laughs> do you still use Chunky Lover sixty nine as the? Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was Chunky Lover fifty three. Oh, fifty three. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've not in a while, but I have used it in other contexts. Oh, okay. So I know um, that in the place we worked at together, you would mm-hmm. use that a yeah. time or two. That was Homer Simpson's email address, right? Chunky Lover fifty three mm. at AOL. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but no, I do use that every once in a while. Um, do you, you guys ever heard of the clock method? I don't think so. Um, so basically, if you're taking um, like a multiple choice, uh, you're taking a test and there's a multiple choice question mm-hmm. and you don't know what the answer is, um, you just look at the second hand of your watch. And if it's between like, you know, 12 and 3, you go with A. Between 3 and 6, you go with B. C is, you know, six and nine, and then nine and 12 is D. Okay. And that's just what you answer, and you move on. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess that makes sense if it's a situation where it's a timed test, mm-hmm. um, you know, like a, or at least one where time is mm-hmm. is a concern. I would yeah. have to think, though, in most multiple choice qu- tests, you can eliminate one answer. Mm-hmm. So what if you're like, oh, you know, it's, you know, what, uh, I don't know, general helped in the Revolutionary War, and one of the options is Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. and that's B, and that's what your clock says, but you don't recognize the other names. Uh-huh. Do you go ahead and go with B just because <laughs> you need to stick with your method, or do you look again? It never lies. <laughs> Sorry. So in this scenario, Abraham Lincoln was a general in the well, Civil War? It, it, it's one of the multiple choice questions gotcha. or answers. And you said Revolutionary and, War, right? What, I said Revolutionary yeah. War, yeah. Okay. So obviously you know that it's not Abraham Lincoln. Gotcha. Okay. So if you have a, an answer that's clearly the wrong answer, <laughs> like clearly the throwaway, yeah. do you take a second look at your watch to, or do you just go with it because methodology yeah. says you no, must go? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you can discount oh, it. Oh, okay. Um, so. Yeah, and I, I think by the time you like look at your watch and everything, you could have probably, probably just guessed right. just as quickly. Because <laughs> again, you have to read the answers before you're like, oh, I don't know, let me look at my watch. So, so you haven't decided when you read the question, like there's no way I'll know the answer to this. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, move yeah. On. <laughs> exactly. So. All right. Well, I've we'll... had a few tests where I could probably have said, I'm not going to know the answer to this. Yeah. <laughs> I, just... I know they're back in your school days, all the way back, but four years ago. Um, <laughs> it's longer than that now. Yeah, yeah. There were some times when you had some tests that. Uh, I did take the class last year, though. Yeah. I guess that's what I was thinking of that. I don't know. I think that class caused us to have some of our early uh, postponements of recording time, but that was Indeed, before we ever did. started even yeah. posting the episode, so it's no big deal. I am. So in gym class in high school, um, so this would have been freshman year, I guess, freshman or sophomore year. I forget which year you had to take gym, um, which year it was a requirement. Um, they had a final exam, you know, at the end of the year, and it was multiple choice okay. or whatever. And the um, you know the gym teacher was like, all right, 
um, you know, get out a piece of paper. I'm going to give you guys the answers real quick, you know. So if you want to memorize them, you can. And then he went through and he, he read all 100. He's like, A, C, B, A, C, D, whatever, all the way through 100. And then if you wanted to, you could memorize them. And I was like, challenge accepted. <laughs> and so I did. So, um, and so it was like, he gives out the thing. And I'm like, all right. And it, and like one of the girls that he had as his assistant comes around to see what I'm doing, like if I was looking off something. And I was like, no, you said we were allowed to memorize them. <laughs> so that seems so much more fun to me than trying to study the rules of badminton. <laughs> right. <stuff. Yeah. laughs> so did you get 100% on the test? Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, very um, nice. That's because an impressive. I, 100 letters in a row is... Um, so I memorized... Um, like there were the fewest number of D's. Okay. Um, so I just went through and I was like, okay, D is, you know, one, eight, 12, 16, you know, and I memorized those numbers. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at, um, basically a sequence of A, B, C, C, A, B, and B, C, A. Okay. And I was like, well, A, B, C, that is, you know, two, four, 12, whatever. And so, and the number corresponded to whatever the middle was in that sequence. Okay. So I was like, all right, so for, you know, four is one of the A, B, C. So four is B, which means three is A, while five is C. And so that's how I did it. So I ended up only having to memorize like, you know, Pretty 37 numbers. You should have worked for the fucking CIA or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. The world of technical writing is glamorous and all, but <laughs> it feels like your talents may be a little bit yes. underutilized. <laughs> But exactly. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm sitting at the table with two people who who <laughs> in life have performed well under their uh, skills and knowledge and <laughs> abilities should have. And I have far exceeded, not in my professional life, but in life in general. <laughs> um, but, you know, I guess that's the way it works out. Somebody, <laughs> somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to break even. Luckily, no losers at this table. Exactly. But. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, anyways, uh, maybe a few listening. Um, yeah, exactly. maybe Maybe by virtue of listening. Yeah, but. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't losers when they started. I, right. I hope at least one or two people are out there saying, I'm going to score better on my next test now. Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> I, yeah, that clock method, that may pay off for somebody. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it's pretty rare that you get given the specific number or letter answers prior mm -hmm. to a test. So I don't know how... And I also don't think most people would be able to come up with your system um to work for them but uh but still if, if you can you know you probably don't need it you probably don't need the system because you're intelligent <laughs> enough you can t pass the test on your own yeah. but at least you can give yourself a little fun so. exactly exactly and again i'm still ignorant of badminton so <laughs> <laughs> you know i bet like half those questions were euchre questions probably so <laughs> probably <laughs> so. everything went wrong for your one weakness exactly. uh, yeah, anyways all right, well, now we're 20 minutes into this episode, yeah. so I guess uh, probably time to start the recap. I suppose. Should yeah, have yeah. saved all this for the next episode, because <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to be short. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll cut it. <laughs> Here's your non-chronological right. recap. <laughs> Blend it, yeah. So. Uh, as uh, Alan said, the uh, title of this one was called Vacation. The original air date was November 29th, 1986. Uh, this one was written by Winifred Hervey yeah. and directed by our, our guy, Terry Hughes. I think it's a guy. Yeah, I believe so. Mm -hmm. I actually haven't looked it up before. Mm -hmm. Real uh, quick, we, before we start. Yeah. Um, I just want to go on the record that, like, if we were to, 
I don't know what the record is, but if we were add together all of the credits for everybody who appeared in this episode, right, it's probably per capita the highest <laughs> number of credits of any episode we've done. You know, as far, if you just mean the number of people who had lines in this episode, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I think there were other episodes that had a combination of people that had done more stuff because there was actually a handful of people in this episode that didn't have. At really? least as far as acting credits go, um, oh. didn't have as many acting credits I as you we might had expect. Like five guest stars with, oh, six guest stars, with like extensive credits. Uh, I was surprised at the. Uh, I don't know. Oh, we'll get there when they yeah. show up. Yeah, but uh, still, you're right though. It was a lot of, and several of them did have a, an extensive list. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it would at least be in the competition for it. Yeah, um, high up there for sure. Cool. I'm sorry. Uh, but so we open in the living room. You yes. see uh, Dorothy carrying a suitcase, kind of enters the living room hurriedly, asking Sophia if she's sure she'll be okay while they're away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophia assures her that she'll be fine. Uh, Dorothy you know, then kind of rattles off a list of things that she doesn't want her doing while they're gone, right? including driving, throwing a party, or drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and she, uh, I think Sophia even says something like, what do I look like, Gidget? Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Act like she was like a teenager. Uh, Dorothy, oh, sorry, Rose then enters asking a variety of pre-trip questions, which uh, we can quickly tell is irritating to Dorothy. Uh, we learned that the, uh, the girls are actually traveling to an island in the Caribbean. Uh, Blanche enters with a cart full of luggage bags. Yeah. Dorothy immediately protests at the quantity of bags she's taking, but Blanche tells her that you know she may run into a celebrity while she's sunbathing and wants to look her, quote, most devastating. Yeah, well, de- they definitely live in a time when airlines, where none of the airlines charge for baggage, because, yeah, she she has an extensive, you know, huge amount of luggage <laughs> she's taken. Um, did they go to someplace tropical last year on vacation, or did they end up in Los Angeles? Or I think California is where they had discussed. I mean, now we didn't get to see that vacation. Yeah, but yeah, I believe that was where they ended up settling on. Mm-hmm. But I remember Dorothy was really adamant that they would go to New York. Um, yeah. And I think, though, that uh, Rose and uh, Blanche basically said, no, we're going to California gotcha. with you or without you. Yeah. So, yeah, not tropical, but sunny, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. But it yeah, is yeah. kind of, I don't know, if you live in Miami, don't you feel like you'd be drawn to non-sunny mm-hmm. destinations? Exactly. I mean, you have a beach and the tropical atmosphere and the freaking heat. I mean, yeah. luckily we do see in this vacation that they still bring along the sweaters and yeah, jackets yeah. and whatnot <laughs> to the Caribbean. But, um, but, yeah, it feels like you'd be, I don't know, more drawn to Canada. Yeah, yeah, someplace that, I don't know, they would give you new experiences. Uh, like versus, Sweden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now that's going to be a much more expensive trip for them. Um, yeah, but money's no object for the Goldens. It seems like it all depends on the episode. Yeah. One episode, they can't scrape the money <laughs> yeah, together for TV. Yeah, they're strapped for cash. And, yeah. and, then... <laughs> and then the next one, they're going on. Well, even this one, we find out that they were apparently on a shoestring budget for this vacation. Yeah. So, but... <laughs> So yes, uh, off off to the Caribbean. Although they never do specify the specific island they're going to. No, yeah, I noticed that too. Uh, but yeah, so you know, Blanche says she wants to look her most devastating, <laughs> and Sophia says that she hopes she t- packs a tight butt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the doorbell then rings, and a gentleman enters and starts kind of collecting their bags uh, to load their taxi. He doesn't say anything at this point. Yeah. Like he just comes in. Takes the back and starts yeah. going. Right? They all give each other a nod. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we know what's going on here. Yeah. It's yeah, understood. Out of all the folks that got credits, that guy did not earn one. So <laughs> He did not. <laughs> he got the extra pay. Right. <laughs> and the girls all kind of plead with Sophia one last time for uh, her to come with them. Uh, Rose even offers her the, the king-size bed. 
Uh, but she does decline and tells him that she'll enjoy some time alone, uh, citing that she can even vacuum in the nude. Yeah, thank goodness for uh, for all of them that she did decline, because <laughs> you know, as we'll find out soon enough, it, it would have been even more cramped with the fourth person in that room. Yeah. And, and again, it's like I think we discussed this before when Blanche has said daughter and son-in-law decided on a two-week trip to Hawaii yeah. on the spur of the moment. Mm-hmm. But apparently last-minute travel isn't an issue at all either yeah. because yeah, nowadays right, you yeah, go they, to the airport. Everyone's got their tickets and everything already. Yeah. Rose, that's even one of the questions Rose was asking to Dorothy. She's got all this list of stuff. Right. I don't know. Back in the 80s, if it was just like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you book six months in advance or six hours in advance. You're yeah. getting the <laughs> same low fare rate to yeah. <laughs> head to whatever island you want to go to or whatever destination. Mm-hmm. But anyways. Uh, so anyway, they exchange hugs and kisses and the girls uh, head out. And then as soon, almost as soon as they're out, Sophia immediately goes uh, over toward the sliding glass door and calls uh, an elderly gardener to enter the house. Uh, she kind of thanks him for uh, doing such a good work around the house and then more or less tells him that she'd like him like to hang out with him while the girls are gone on their trip. Uh, she's kind of embarrassed as uh, he speaks very broken English and she feels that he can't understand much of what she's saying. Uh, but then he follows her around the uh, couch to the front and explains that he does understand some of what she's saying. And then they kind of sit down and stare in lovingly almost into each other's eyes. Yeah, it's a. They have a couple, you know, of these breaks with the two of them in there. They kind of end with them just looking, you know, somewhat lovingly or whatever longingly, at each other. Maybe, yeah, yeah, longing. That's a perfect word for it. Because I don't think they, I don't know, love's a little bit on the high side for knowing someone loosely. <laughs> right. Well, I thought there was one very ironic line in this that at the time would not have been ironic, but certainly is under today's parlance. Um, that, you know, when she's trying to go over this uh, idea of him sitting and talking to her, he says, I can't remember his exact phrase, but he mentions them having one of the things she mentions them doing together is having uh, some tang, yeah. and he and he repeats <laughs> that back, and then she says that uh, tang is not the catchword here, but it sounds like tang is exactly the catchword here. <laughs> <laughs> As in boom. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I, but again, in 1986, I don't know that uh, <laughs> that, that it was, was quite a uh, right. term used. Exactly. I don't know, maybe. So. Uh, but then we change scenes. Do we want to pause? No, no. I, <laughs> <laughs> Just on act breaks. Right. And then only when we have viewer mail. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, we are showing, a, uh, it's a real kind of like cool like scene before they start showing the girls. A picturesque port village. Uh, and then we cut to the girls entering their hotel room. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention, sorry, I, I did forget this. At the opening, I believe they opened the uh, episode on the back of the house, which I thought was interesting this time around. Did they? Yeah, I, I think so. That. I think that the the opening to the show was on the back of the house as opposed to on the front of it. I don't recall Maybe. that. I thought it did, unless I'm thinking of it. I, I could have sworn, though, that uh, on one of these two episodes um, that I watched recently that they started on the back of the house, and I thought this was the one. But mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong. I know uh, the next episode, um, they pull spoilers, a yeah, starts on the front and Rose pulling into the driveway. Okay, yeah, this one definitely. I don't think it had the driveway at all. I think it was the back of the house, and I was thinking like, oh, that's... So you saw Toshiro back there uh, killing snails? They didn't uh, show any people. It was just the house by itself. Gotcha. But, uh, but yeah, I believe they came in from... Uh, maybe they wanted us to see how the uh, you know recently deceased neighbor was peering in through the windows. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was just foreshadowing for Toshiro and Sophia. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> Going into the back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Uh, well, so the girls are all big smiles, and then that quickly fades as they enter their uh, hotel room and look around, realizing that uh, the reality is far from the uh, promises made on the brochure. Right. Uh, they you know, voice their concerns to the baggage boy, Ramon, who simply tosses their bags into the room. Now, the, his name is Ramon, I found out from IMDb, but I don't remember them ever saying his name in the episode. Do you guys? Not that I remember offhand, although perhaps the manager may have referred to him maybe, when he came maybe, in to, yeah. to discuss their concerns. But uh, they voiced their concerns to him. and uh, So which part of the Caribbean do you think he was from? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, apparently one that really believed uh, or that you know the government was really holding down the, the yeah. regular citizens. Maybe that's how they got such cheap vacation. Yeah, and you know, I guess, and maybe we'll discuss this a little bit when we get to the manager. But the people that worked at this hotel weren't just unsympathetic; they were aggressively rude. <laughs> like, yeah, it was like they couldn't have been more pissed off to have customers at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a way to get good business out. Right. Yeah. It's a way to keep your clients. <laughs> well, you know, back then, that's the days before uh, the internet and, and reviews and whatnot. So. All I have to do is maybe, you know, pay off the guy from Frommers and, you know, also <laughs> you're going to get plenty of customers. Um, well, I don't know, because it seems to me that, like, I think the Goldens probably would have used, like, a travel agent. Yeah. And so then they would have reported back, and then the travel agent's like, oh, don't send anybody else to Well, they, they definitely did, actually. Right. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, she even mentions that her travel agent said they should pay in advance. So, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, though. I get that there are oftentimes people, you know, a lot of the people who work in the, um, what do you call it, hospitality industry, they're, they're certainly not paid well. And I can understand uh, it can be difficult to be friendly towards people. But um, but like I said, it wasn't that they were just not particularly friendly yeah. or just, uh, you know, apathetic. Yeah. They seemed, you know, just, like I said, they seemed like they were trying to be rude for the sake of being rude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, so me and my wife were discussing um, just because, I mean, it's like a degree and everything is like hotel management right, and everything yeah. like that. And um, I don't know, like it sounds really nice, but you also know that, you know, there's a good chance you're going to end up at the, you know, Holiday Inn in Dayton. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. There's well, I mean, you got to there's a lot of hotels out there and they certainly span <laughs> the, uh, the mm-hmm. spectrum from high end to, mm-hmm. you know, bottom of the barrel. Yeah. But I don't know. I'd have to think though. Like, there's a place out here called the Shamrock Motel that uh, not not in Greenwood, but in Indiana, gotcha. um, out in the eastern part of Indiana, that apparently is a place where you know uh, people the with nowhere else to go kind of go to stay type gotcha. of a place. And um, I can't imagine that the person managing that establishment mm-hmm. got a degree to do so. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's just you know still paying off those student loans, right? Yeah, exactly. or she inherited the place and just was like, "I'm not paying anybody to run this place," so mm-hmm. you know, because I think it's the type of place, and I could even be wrong about the name, but I think it's the type of place where people go for like um, to live, basically, gotcha. you know, like those kind of long term. Uh, yeah, so like, I'm not rooms. paying anyone to clean the place. Oh, Why right. would I pay him to run it? Yeah, exactly. exactly. So exactly. So, so she get, she inherits inherited inherits and In, inherited or or no she just inherits like she inherits this place oh okay yeah and now she gets to spend the rest of her days you know checking in recently divorced men in the room 37 <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> 
See, I don't feel like that should count. <laughs> you think I'm going to zig, I'll zag. <laughs> <laughs> I think I specifically said not this episode, but, you know. That's true. Okay, <laughs> so we won't. That doesn't count, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so hold off for at least another week. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Could be more. For all we know, Brent might not mention 37 again until episode 180. But <laughs> exactly. It'll, it'll be just a freak accident when I do. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm like, why are people sending messages? It'd be so impressive. I'd have to send actual prizes, not just... <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, like, hey, back in episode eight of season two, exactly, <laughs> there was a promise made. Exactly. <laughs> so, anyway, sorry. That go ahead, Ski. Uh, anyway, as they're surveying the room, uh, they find out that the uh, the ocean view promised from the uh, brochure also uh, is also a lie. Uh, the baggage boy you know, warns them though that. Uh, when the revolution comes and the imperial swine have their heads impaled on stakes in the sand, they'll be glad they don't have a view. Right. Which is a pretty rough entry to the uh, <laughs> to the hotel, I think. Well, and it certainly gives the impression that the revolution is at hand almost. Like it <laughs> right? is, you know, not like, oh, yeah, we're organizing this coup. <laughs> it's that, you know, <laughs> any day now, um, riots and whatnot are going to break out. Yeah. And he has a pretty aggressive stance. It's not just like we want to take back the government from our oppressors. Well, we want he's to even kill. got people picked out as far as who's going to be. I think he says shot. Right. Yeah, I was trying to think, like, back in the 80s, what would be the most oppressive Caribbean island? I mean, do they go to stay in Cuba? Or, um, <laughs> you know, like... I think it would be Granada. Granada? Yeah. Was that a pretty... Because uh, I know we had that brief war with... Uh, Granada. Yeah, because I think that's why we sent them in. Oh, okay. So perhaps the Goldens, maybe they helped to bring that about. (laughs) (laughs) I think this would have been about three years after that. Oh, okay. So Maybe they just saw how poorly they were treated and thought, we can't allow this national treasure. But It was still fresh in their minds. Right. We're not as uh, maybe impetuous as that young man who (laughs) was ready to put their heads on spikes that day. (laughs) You know, we had to take a little more time in planning. Yeah, so, that was about a three-day war, wasn't it? I mean, it yeah. was a really short one. Yeah, it was. It was. So it was. <laughs> <laughs> I had a tangent, but I realized we've had enough, so I'm going to save this little nugget for another time. Oh, okay, I'm sure, I'm sure, Grenada will come up many times in the future. Exactly. <laughs> we could make that happen. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, it was the head on a stick bit. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that that may. Yeah. Uh, Dorothy tries to call the front desk, but the phone is also dead. Uh, she asked the baggage boy uh, to have the manager come up, though, so they can voice their concerns to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the girls are then kind of all lamenting uh, the state of affairs, admitting that the room is definitely not what they were hoping for. Rose even adds that all she wanted was a tan on her thighs, uh, and then kind of enters into this harrowing story about how you know, the revolution is going to take her, uh, the revolutionaries will take her hostage, you know, mis- mistreat her. And then force her into a life of horrible servitude. Mm-hmm. I think this is actually the uh, part of the episode, my favorite line. She says something along the lines of uh, a uh, an old general with yeah. the armpit sweat stains. <laughs> right. I was well, so on board with the entire story because I like <laughs> it when she does that. Mm-hmm. But then it got really dark at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, she says something like, like, and force me to like. Uh, meet his gross desires or yeah. something. <laughs> I, I wrote that line down because it, it was a big contender for my favorite line of the episode. But oh, you yeah, have the whole thing? Just that last line. Go for um, it. He'll force me to let out his uniforms and satisfy his ugly needs. <laughs> yeah, that, that part upset me. <laughs> 
I love. Don't get me wrong. The Saint Olaf stories are good and all, uh-huh. but they're they don't hold a candle to Rose's uh, when things go dark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when she starts imagining the way things could go, those. Yeah. Are, I mean, I think she's done that three times in the series, yeah. and they've all been mm-hmm. excellent. Really so. good. Well, that's that's got to be my winner for this one. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, a couple of really good lines in it, so I don't know if that one wins for me or not, but it was it was certainly high up there. But Lynn uh, Blanche in, uh, says that she, uh, you know, won't even be able to get a date without uh, air conditioning or the phone because, you know, her her body will be all sweaty and nasty and stuff. Right. Uh, and then I think uh, another good line, though, uh, she says, how am I going to get a date? And Dorothy says something like, this is the same way you always do, go down to the bar without panties on. Right. <laughs> Uh, the manager now enters, though, and asks the girls to explain their grievances uh, and kind of has this, the same tone of a smarmy used car salesman. Uh, he shows them, of course, though, that if they crane their necks out the window in just the right direction, they actually can see the uh, the, the ocean and that the uh, brochure does not promise a, quote, great ocean view. Right. Uh, Dorothy tells the man that they want uh, the, the accommodations they were promised and expecting from the... Uh, the brochure, or they're going to go elsewhere. And he responds, telling them that uh, they can do that, but they will not be getting a refund. At this point, uh, they uh, Rose comes up and explains to the girls that they actually have already uh, prepaid, as was suggested by the travel agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to make it, uh, and that that always makes it easier. Right. I guess. Then they relentingly submit to the fact that they're going to have to stay in this crummy room, but agree to uh, go ahead and try to make the best of it. Uh, Blanche then points out that they do have a vibrating bed. Yeah. And they go, go ahead and give it a, a go. So she convinces the girl to get on. And then she puts in a, a coin into a little slot. And then there's a buzzer sound. And then the uh, baggage boy, who's actually a pretty famous comedian, mm-hmm. uh, he comes in and he starts kicking the bed to shake it while singing to him. Right. Yeah, I thought, well, that, that kind of goes back to that thing about, they said it was $100 a night. Split three ways, be 33 bucks a night <laughs> that they'd be paying and you know listen i don't have any idea what kind of shoestring budget they were on but it wasn't even a discussion it was just like it was a hundred dollars a night i guess we're stuck here because we all came here with just enough money to eat you know some cheap meals and then you know spend time on the beach i mean especially too because a little later in the episode rose starts talking about all their activities Mm -hmm. which i think that if you were in that crappy of a place to be like you know what why don't we just pare down Mm -hmm. the activities and we'll go somewhere else yeah but you know well as we find out later on (laughs) that's the case well yeah yeah it doesn't end up being so so anyway um uh we didn't have another scene change and we're back in miami with sophia and uh mr toshiro mitsumo and uh, they're now sitting in the living room uh, down at the coffee table kind of sitting on the ground Mm -hmm. getting ready to uh, share a sushi dinner Sophia kind of marvels at how good... Uh, it's not mis- a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> you see, see, you thought that uh, someone, if they hadn't watched the episode, may think that excuse me, they were going to pound town. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Not until the end of the scene. <laughs> right. But uh, she marvels at how good he is with uh, chopsticks and then says that her people drop half the food using a fork, a spoon, and a loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess she's talking about Italians. I yeah, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> when she realizes that they're actually having raw fish, she kind of flings a piece of sushi to the uh, side accidentally. And then when, when Mr. Mitsumo goes to retrieve it, she takes the plate and dumps the rest of her meal into her purse and then claims that, oh, that was delicious, I'm stuffed. 
Uh, she tells him that that was uh, that he's awfully cute, and he responds, "Sophia cuter." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do hope that she meant Italians because I feel like if you start <laughs> saying "our people," meaning all white people, <laughs> then it becomes racist the way she is towards him. Not for saying all white people, but then it makes it sound like all you Asian people. Um, So I hope that she meant Italians because then that at least gives the wiggle room that she meant like whatever specific nationality. Well, and then granted, I don't know the last time I used bread as a utensil. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe as a sandwich. Well, yeah, there is that. (laughs) (laughs) But some people I could see using it to kind of scoop up onto something or in addition, you know, especially if you're having something, you know, an Italian that has sauces and whatnot. So, but anyways. Uh, so then we go back again to the girls on the island trip, and uh, we see Blanche unloading a large amount of beauty products into the uh, bathroom. Looks like a, like behind the uh, mirror or something in the right. bathroom. Dorothy uh, comes in and sees all of this, surprised by the quantity of tropical-sounding items she's using. Uh, she says, if I put cracked ice and an umbrella on your head, you'd be a Mai Tai. Uh, Blanche kind of laughs as they return to the bedroom. Uh, Rose then tells them, of course, like you said, about this... A vast itinerary she has planned for the next day, including a, uh, a glass-bottom boat trip, uh, visiting an old Spanish fort, uh, going to a shipwreck, and then visiting a dormant volcano. Uh, you can see the girls are all swatting at like bugs in the air. We can't see the bugs, but you know they're implied that they're there. Uh, Dorothy then slaps Rose's face, and Rose says, "All right, forget the volcano." Yeah. Dorothy, of course, explains that she was just swatting a mosquito on her on her cheek. And then Rose, uh, kind of still stunned by it, says she's going to go to the bathroom to wash uh, the bug off her face. And when she tries to open the door, the, a man's voice tells her that he'll be done in just a minute. Uh, the girls then freak out as they realize a strange man is somehow in their bathroom. Right. Yeah, that would definitely freak you out because apparently none of them noticed, you know, this adjoining door in the bathroom. <laughs> and so it would be pretty odd. It's like or just someone was, that it was just like... in there and now there's a man in there from, yeah. <laughs> you know, appearing out of nowhere. Um uh, ultimately, the man allows him into the bathroom as he's uh, shaving, and uh, they kind of get to talking. And he, they are concerned, obviously, to find out that uh, they're sharing the bathroom with three other people, three men, uh, younger, kind of like, I don't say maybe twenties, thirties. Yeah, younger than them, but they yeah. weren't like college age. They seemed right. like they would be a little older than that, like mid twenties. Still kind of like preppy, like party boys though well it was weird because you had Dwayne Rick and Winston Hardwick the third were the three and that guy was so Which smarmy one of these doesn't belong yeah it was just <laughs> hot because he was smarmy and he talked you know like almost British accent uh, yeah it was just an like you kind of wonder how did these three because <laughs> you know the one guy looks like a tweaker and then the other guys <laughs> yeah one, one guy's the thick bruiser. He's yeah, like, <laughs> and then the other one's like the smarmy, snobby kind of guy. I like to think he's the brains. Yeah. The other guy yeah. is like the uh, front man, and then there's the bruiser guy, and there's some kind of like a crime squad. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it did seem like some sort of the makings of a supervillain team <laughs> or something like that. But, um, yeah, it was definitely – I'd like to see the story of how they became friends, even <laughs> though none of them were interesting characters in and of themselves. But um, the, the, the pairing is definitely interesting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, of course, the girls do not like this idea one bit to be sharing the bathroom. Uh, the boys aren't necessarily thrilled to set up either, uh, but you know, claim that uh, there's not just there's just not enough bathrooms in the building. Yeah, I think he uses the phrase that he's upset that they have to uh, gargle next to Grandma Moses and the Mosettes. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was Rick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, and it wasn't it wasn't a great joke. Um, uh, as far as you know, normally zingers. Uh, 
I don't know. I guess leave those to the girls because they're better at it than, yeah, than yeah. what those fellows are. Yeah, but. The um, do we want to talk about we want to talk about those actors? Now oh sure, yeah, we can go ahead and talk about them now. So just speaking of Rick, uh, Tom Billard, mm-hmm. um, just two, three odd things about him. Okay, um, so he actually shares a birthday, you know, with me, November 19th. Oh, very what? nice. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. It has to be. Well, no, I guess he'd probably be older than you for sure because he was... He know. was 40 when he died. Oh, okay. oh um, 40 when he died. Wow. Yeah. Um, and he died on November 14th, uh, which is my wife's birthday. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, amongst all his filmography or whatever, um, of which, you know, he had like 30 credits, okay? It's not an extensive, right. you know career um but i would like to point out that you know he was a celebrity contestant on hollywood squares body language super password to tell the truth match game hundred thousand dollar pyramid twenty five thousand dollar pyramid and ten thousand dollar pyramid wow <laughs> wow that was all about the pyramids he was <laughs> now which which guy was this it was rick rick the, the kind of tweaker guy yeah, oh, yeah. and I, he i was looking at his and he had one show um we got it made that apparently he must, he was like on 46 episodes. I'm yeah. guessing probably the whole run of it. Yeah. But outside of that, yeah, it was pretty limited. Yeah. Um, how disappointed do you feel like you'd be? I mean, maybe that show was a hit. I don't know. But it feels <laughs> like if you were on $10,000 Pyramid, you're like, oh, I wonder who I'm going to get paired with. <laughs> exactly. And then, it's like yeah. Tweaker number two from yeah. an episode of The Golden Girls. And apparently you've got like a one in three chance of getting that guy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're partnered with a celebrity on a game show exactly. in the 80s. But. Yeah, well, I noticed he had a relatively uh, small amount of credits. I guess I did not happen to look mm-hmm. a little further in to see that he had died yeah. at a young age. But maybe yeah. the tweaker thing. I, I, I guess I shouldn't be smirch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we had. Then we had uh, the uh, just to go over these other two guys. Winston um, Brett Porter was his name. Mm-hmm. He only had thirty-three titles to his name. For all I know, he may have died oh. young too, but uh, not very extensive. And then the one who the Bruiser Dwayne. Stephen Lee. He had 115 titles to his name. Yeah, I recognized mm-hmm. his face immediately. So, yeah, of course, you probably recognized him as um, uh, Barkus from Ghoulies Go to College. Oh, uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> more than likely. And then uh, he was on 13 episodes of To Have and To Hold. So, Did so he yeah. play Farley? Is it, are we talking about the one that played Farley in Negotiator? Uh, oh, the, yeah. Yeah, I'm yes. sure that, that is the one. So Real quick, Tom died of uh, age-related pneumonia. Oh, really? So now I feel bad about mocking him. Yeah, yeah, that was. Um, it, it makes you feel bad when the, when what you say, when what he died of is like a true tragedy versus yeah. what you said is a self-inflicted tragedy. Not exactly. a, still a tragedy nonetheless. Yeah. But for the record, he could have been a tweaker also. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, we shouldn't discount that. Exactly. <laughs> I won't speculate any more on it, but uh, there's a lot of other ways we could go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, still Farley's s- dead too. What's that? Um, the dude who played Farley. In oh, is he dead also? Yeah, like I think he died at the age of like fifty or something. Hmm. So, this, so both of them pretty a curse young. on the vacation episode. Yeah, apparently so. Um, um, what, was, what was his name again? Uh, his name was Stephen Lee. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Let me double check that. But well, was, and just since we're we're on the the guest stars, he was um, fifty eight when he died in two thousand fourteen. That's pretty young. Um, Jacques, the guy who was like the hotel manager, mm-hmm. he had a pretty extensive list of credits, mm-hmm. 177. Earl St. Clair, uh, or Stuart Pankin is his name, 
but he played uh, Earl St. Clair on 65 episodes of Dinosaurs, which I believe is our second uh, second episode in a row or out of three that we've had a Dinosaurs <laughs> voice actor on. Um, but yeah, the, so apparently, <laughs> apparently Golden Girls was He was, was a, not the mama. No, he was not, much like the last person <laughs> was also not the mama. Um, and he was also on 47 episodes of Not Necessarily the News, which I remember being a show I enjoyed um, for a time. And then uh, Paul Rodriguez, yeah, very famous yeah. Uh, comedian. He was Ramon. Yeah, he was the baggage guy. Yeah, he didn't have a whole ton of acting, like acting, acting credits. But, of course, he was in anything that, that you know, had comedians in him. He had a pretty decent list of acting. But he had like 255 credits total. But the majority of those were him as himself in, you know, acting or, uh, you know, comedic uh, performances. Well, I, I looked up a little bit about him uh, just because I recognized his face immediately when we were watching the show. And uh, I saw an article that I thought was a bit interesting. I guess uh, he is uh, he's Mexican descent, mm-hmm. or at least he's uh, Latino. I think it's Mexican. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, um, he's a closet Republican, which he fears, like based on the way Trump treated the uh, border issue, that uh, his, uh, his kinfolk will probably hate him for. No, well, you should be afraid of his kinfolk because they're murderers and rapists. Oh, that. <laughs> yeah, man, I'll have to edit that out. <laughs> President said it must be true. I'm kidding. All right, 53 minute mark. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Can we back we're definitely, we're definitely loaded up. Well, so. we are missing one other guest star, which, in my opinion, was by far my favorite guest star of the episode. Um, and that was, of course, uh, Tashira Mitsumo, played by Key Luke, um, you know, Sophia's uh, love interest. And I immediately recognized him. I don't know if others would, but as, uh, you know, the grandfather from the Gremlins. Gremlins yeah. yeah, and Gremlins, too. Yeah. This is our second Gremlins guest star. Who is the other one? Uh, the one old lady. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick, so Stephen Lee, you know, died in 2014 at the age of 58. Right. Um, his estate needs to update his IMDb. Oh. <laughs> his what? Does it still list him as being alive or, like, no death date on it? It does. Um, like, his recent guest stars are NCIS 2003, Fear Itself 2008, Boston Legal 2004, for which he received critical acclaim, Bones 2005, Until Death 2006. He is grateful every day for a roof over his head and hopes for a more <laughs> prosperous future for himself and everyone who has experienced such hard times. <laughs> wow. So if well, you're related yeah. to Stephen Lee, you know, get that updated, please. Well, hey, listen, you could definitely say the roof over his head is his casket and, <laughs> and it's hard times for yeah. sure. So he hopes for better times for all the dead. <laughs> but. Yeah, I guess it would be a high time for them to go ahead and add one more sentence, yeah. uh, or, or at least edit one of those sentences. Change it to past tense. Exactly. Yeah. Hoped for <laughs> better times did not happen. Right. Well, hey, his times got better. Um, yeah, I would yeah. have to assume before they got worse. Um, exactly. So. Um, he had a good time dancing on Tom Billard's grave. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that was definitely probably his goal. Like, exactly. Take like, that, Rick. Right. <laughs> hey, well, I, oh, one other thing just to, you know, so this will kind of wrap up all of our guest star talk, but um, Tom Villard, it should be mentioned, does come back for a second episode of Golden Girls. He does? Yeah, and, and I do remember his other episode. We haven't gotten to it yet, but I believe that he is a former student of Dorothy's mm. that, uh, you know, goes on to bigger and better things and comes back to thank her. So nice. in a season or two, we'll get to 
to learn, you know, how Tom fared post uh, vacation. Yeah. So <laughs> oddly, they did not recognize each other at all during the trip. <laughs> but yeah. um, his twin brother, maybe. Yeah. Well, no. I, Tom yeah. did have two twin brothers. Oh, did he really? Tim and Terry. Are they still alive? As far as I know, yeah. Oh, well. That says non-committal of skis answers when you ask him if he's going to be here on time. <laughs> I don't know that they were in the business. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they're not on the IMDb. Oh, okay. That was just a fun fact about him that he had two twin brothers. Well, wouldn't he be part of triplets? Would you call them two twin brothers? Or he had a set of twins not related. He, he wasn't a set of twins. Exactly. Okay. They weren't triplets. So. Like, he's not part of a triplet. I he see. Was, he has twin brothers. Okay. Younger, older. I don't know. <laughs> Probably still alive. I bet they're the same age. Anyways, all right, so have we made it out of Act 1 yet? Uh, we're almost there. So okay. the, basically, you guys want to finish up Act 1 while I go use the restroom? <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you need to take a pause? Yeah, I do. Okay. Oh, you guys keep going. Well, no, we can't go without you. We'll go ahead and pause it here for station identification. <laughs> Thank you. All right, go ahead, Ski. Uh, so to, to, to wrap up, uh, they're still in the bathroom kind of talking to these uh gentlemen that are apparently sharing their room with them uh winston hardwick the third you know kind of tells uh tells the girls um you know you know they'll be sharing the room with them blanche you know kind of proceeds to put uh, the most preppy guy uh in his place and claims that the uh bathroom is theirs and uh, suggests that they want to go to the bathroom they can uh, use the jungle as a toilet right <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what area. Again, it, it just brings more questions. Is what would be the most tropical? Is Granada a, to- a tropical uh, island? As far as I know. Okay. But uh, the, we've changed scenes. We see the girls now sitting downstairs around uh, what appears to be a, uh, a little table in the lobby. Whether Granada has volcanoes or not, I have no uh, well, idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're dormant, you know. Or old forts and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Class bottom boats are probably a safe bet. So. Yeah. Most most of the islands are volcanic of some kind, though. Oh well, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, Rose talks about uh, a disgusting meal they had just had, and uh, Dorothy suggests that they draw cards for the rest of the Pepto Bismol. Mm-hmm. The uh, rude men from the uh, next door room come downstairs and uh, offer to buy the ladies a drink. Blanche accepts as a knee jerk reaction uh, before retracting her statement and then asking them to leave. Actually, pretty politely. Yeah. Uh, the boys, you know, apologize for the unpleasantness of their earlier encounter, and uh, the ladies accept their apology, and uh, say that they'll now take that drink. The uh, Winston guy then asks, oh, one of them asks how the trip has been for him so far, and Dorothy responds with a short story about uh, having her wisdom teeth removed mm-hmm. uh, during, the, I think, the depression. She says, All right, by a cobbler, yeah, uh, yeah, by a shoemaker, and she says that she enjoyed that more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did think that was one of the better lines of the episode, too. That would have been a contention. Winston then explains that he has uh, access to a sailboat that evening and invites the girl to join him for an evening cruise. Uh, they, they immediately pep up and think that sounds like a great time and accept. It does seem like they turned around awfully quick. Yeah. yeah. Like, I get it. It's like, oh, we realized we were shitty to you. But to take it the next step, it's like, let's buy you drinks and take you on a boat ride. Well, you know, the buying the drinks thing, I, I was like, okay, that seems reasonable. <laughs> but the boat ride, it seems like that you would look for three women who are closer to your age to yeah. try to. Because it would feel like it'd yeah. be something that would potentially have, like, romantic implications. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So unless they were just like, maybe oh, they ain't really, the storm. You maybe know. they're down with the, uh, the golden age. Well, I mean, that, that's totally <laughs> fine, you know. I mean, and I would say that those three... You know, the insults that were hurled at them aside are all held up pretty well, you know, for their <laughs> ages. 
Um, and we don't see, I don't think, a single other uh, woman in the lobby. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe there's just very few options uh, that they... But I would still think you'd be like, yeah. Maybe the revolutionaries captured all the other women. <laughs> right, could be. <laughs> <laughs> so. Rose will be the last. Yeah. Yeah, this episode seems to be very um, pro-authoritarian governments, too, because <laughs> they seem to really paint the revolutionaries in a negative light. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they don't give it any concern as to why they want to put the heads on the pike, or, yeah, you know, yeah. the heads of their oppressors on a pike. Mm-hmm. So, Just because. Just because. Yeah. No, you know, do you really need a reason to right. do that, Alan? Just, is it kind of like, you know, eat the rich kind of a situation? Like yes. they're just mad that... Um, <laughs> but. So then, uh, anyway, Dorothy says that she's going to go call her mother while the boys <laughs> go ahead and prep the ship. Uh, one of the men then laughs at the idea that her mom would still be alive, you know, what with her advanced age and all, uh, but quickly realizes how much of a jerk he just was and apologizes again. Uh, we change scenes again, and, uh, and we're back in Miami with uh, Sophia and Toshiro, now sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time, Sophia is sharing some veal with her uh, gentleman friend, telling him that you'll weep, saying it's going to be so delicious. Uh, he seems very pleased with the dish and tells her that she is very sweet. Sophia then opens up and tells him that uh, he gives her the excited feelings that she didn't even realize she had anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, while she knows she can't even understand much of what she says, she admits that uh, she's just fine with that because her husband of 45 years spoke perfect English but also never understood her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she uh, decides to teach him some English. She says, lesson one, Kiss. And then the phone rings, and of course it's Dorothy. Mm-hmm. So quick, Sophia quickly exchanges, how's the trip? Slash nothing new here, and hangs up. Yeah. <laughs> Just gets around the phone, and then she turns back to Toshiro, and then they share a little smooch. Yeah, not to get too far ahead of things, but um, this is the end of the B story right yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, we, we never know how that turns out. Yeah, and the B story could have... I don't know. I feel like it was so underutilized. I, I really like that actor who played Toshiro, <laughs> and... There was just so much potential there that just yeah. ended up being unrealized. Because mm-hmm. had it gone better, like I was totally prepared mm-hmm. as I was going through the episode. Like, oh, this guy's probably going to win my MVP because yeah. I like him as an actor. I love Gremlins, you know, yeah. as a classic from my youth and yeah. whatnot. But then it just the fact that the way the episode should have ended is with them back coming back home and finding the two of them in bed together. Yeah, that would have been a perfect ending to it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, unfortunately, this is the end of the B story. Yeah, and yeah. it's very un, under cliffhanger. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it maybe it's just probably too difficult to have a good B story when the two groups are completely separated. Yeah, and so. there was just so much going on with the A story. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. But yeah, well, and then at the end they've got a lot to wrap up real fast. Yeah, like if they would have got rid of them being shipwrecked. Yeah, and just sort of stuck in a crappy oh, motel. Don't spoiler alert! Yeah, right. now <laughs> why? Why even continue? <laughs> I mean, you have to they're going on a beautiful end. <laughs> That's true. Maybe I should. In fairness, I have like eight minutes worth. I'll be cutting out. So <laughs> <laughs> whole bit where I grumped the president in about fifty-three minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not much of a spoiler because we change scenes, yeah. right? And the girls are, you know, gasping to be great and grateful to be back on land having just survived a dangerous cruise through a storm and uh, then crashing onto a beach. Uh, the guys somewhat you know, blow off the potential severity of their predicament, but uh, Blanche points out that they near, very nearly died and are now shipwrecked. Mm-hmm. 
adding a, sh- a fairly shrill voice, I hate you, mm-hmm. and then cursing them several times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she refers to one of them as a miserable, low-down piece of Yankee slime. Yeah, I so. think uh, she kind of directs it at Winston, I think. Yeah. yeah. He even says, like, kind of dumbly, like, I think you have, <laughs> what's the with the hostility toward me? Right. Don't you feel like that when uh, anybody, if anybody uses the term Yankee, as an insult. Mm-hmm. Um, now, maybe they're talking about the baseball Yankees, sure. Yeah. But yeah. if anybody is talking about someone from the North, it's kind of a pro-slavery insult. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah, it's one of those things that anybody who would, like, you know, use Yankee as a pejorative to me, I probably just assume is just a racist cracker. Right, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, the men kind of claim that the girls owe their lives to them due to their... Uh, it, Superior sailing skills, uh, which were apparently less than gallant. Mm-hmm. Uh, they argue back the back and forth for a moment before Rose kind of stands up and you know tells everyone to shut the hell up, mm-hmm. and she tells them that uh, she's taking charge because she is the most decorated pioneer scout in the history of northern Minnesota. Now, do you think that she gets regular updates? Because um, like <laughs> maybe she was the most decorated scout when she left, but I mean that would have had to been. 30 to 40 years ago as far as when she would have gotten out of those scouts. Um, you would have thought it would be in several years, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, she wouldn't necessarily... I don't know. I mean, I guess they do have that uh, that intrepid newspaper she mentions a couple episodes back. Mm-hmm. So Maybe she just delivered it to her house. Right. <laughs> it just seems like the survival skills one would learn in northern Minnesota would be different than the ones one would need on a desert island. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't think they would even know how to distill salt water. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With their 10,000 freshwater lakes. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But it seems like it would be like how to stay warm if you're... Right, you know, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, how to cut open a bear and live inside of it. Exactly. Um, you know, exactly. Star Wars style. Exactly. But. Well, she probably learned in the Girl Scouts, you know, to always wear three sweaters. Because <laughs> right. you never know. <laughs> <laughs> she just carried that with her throughout her life mm-hmm. and taught the other Goldens. <laughs> yeah, you would think that Rose, out of all of them, would be the most sensitive to the heat, um, mm-hmm. given yeah. that she grew up in a in definitely a generally colder climate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, New York has a very much the gamut, you know, between very hot mm-hmm. during the summer and very cold during the winter. Yeah. But I think Minnesota probably stays somewhat temperate during mm-hmm. the summer months. And uh, then yeah. much colder, I think. Yeah. yeah, in the winter, but I don't know. Uh, anyway, she does list off uh, a list of like several handy uh, skills that she learned in the scouts and then tells, you know, in a very commanding voice, tells the boys to head the coast and look for a waterfall uh, for fresh water and the ladies that uh, they're going to stay and make a fire. Yeah, she tells Blanche to just start go breaking apart the boat. Yeah, which seems a bit like pre- preemptive don't you think like, well, like not presumptive that, but like presumptive as far as deposit back <laughs> well there i mean well i don't know the boys rented the boat so fuck them right <laughs> um but uh but just the fact that like if you told me to go and start with my bare hands ripping a boat apart <laughs> to use for firewood i don't know well there's definitely a lot of trees around too well yeah i mean you could definitely use the kindling from the <laughs> and if they're if they're really marooned well, who's to say that that boat couldn't be repaired and that's their ship off this place uh, yeah yeah, I don't know. Let's <laughs> just burn the boat, guys. Yeah. First first act. Well, again, maybe that goes back to that Minnesota thing, is that if you <laughs> crash in a boat, then you're probably just you know on the edge of a lake, so you're not... You're probably just a no-good Yankee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, the girls, they all stay, and they start making a fire, 
At, uh, at first, they kind of just stare up at her dumbfounded, and then she yells, I said move! And everybody hops to it. Uh, meanwhile, Blanche and Dorothy start kind of gathering firewood, like you said, from, from the boat. All right. Uh, Blanche asks Dorothy if they should really be listening to Rose, and Dorothy kind of just responds, quiet. I don't think we're allowed to talk when we're working. <laughs> right. Yeah, apparently no sea shanties for this uh, this particular episode <laughs> uh, to increase their productivity. But. Uh, then we have a, see, a scene change, but it's really the same scene. We just uh, flash forward, and the girls are now seen in front of a, a pretty decent fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're concerned that the guys have been gone for over four hours, they say. Yeah. Which, in light of what we find out here later, seems like a long time. Yeah, yeah, they should definitely be angry at the end of it versus relieved, or maybe at least a, a more anger than what they show. Um <laughs> Uh, Dorothy and Blanche speculate that they just stopped to rest or uh, are maybe looking for something to hold water in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rose, you know, immediately pipes in and says that they may have also been clawed to death by bloodthirsty animals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As most animals are, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Rose uh, then gets even more real with the girls and tells them that <laughs> since nobody is looking for them, that uh, they their ch- chances of survival are rather bleak. Yeah, they're oh, it's pretty decent. They're all going to die. <laughs> exactly. Uh, by a Dharma polar bear. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, if that smoke monster doesn't get you. <laughs> exactly. It's having Yankee pot roast. <laughs> right. Uh, they suggest that uh, Rose purify some seawater, like she said, uh, you know, with the skills she mentioned earlier. However, she then re- reveals to him that in order to do that, she needs uh, quite a bit of equipment that she does not have on hand, uh, including, I think, a, a barrel, copper piping, and uh, I think she said cheesecloth. Yeah. I don't even know what yeah, that is. I don't is. know what a cheesecloth is. I should have looked that up. Do I think know? it's probably like a filter, though. Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. Um, oh, okay. It's just, um, it's pretty much what it sounds. It's just a porous fabric. Oh, okay. So, um, like, but yeah, I mean, you put something on it, and then the water will flow through, and it collects the solids. Well, it seems like unless part of this training is to bring these things with you when you go yeah. on a particular type yeah. of trip in order to make sure that you're covered, mm-hmm. it seems like a pretty impractical. Um, yeah. You know. <laughs> An unuseful skill in most yeah, endeavors. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, she does tell them also that uh, she doesn't want to be in charge anymore and nominates Dorothy to take over. Uh, Dorothy then tells her that her first official act is to banish Rose from her kingdom. Rose starts to cry and tells him that uh, she's crying because they're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and she still has so much to tell them. Uh, she admits to Blanche that she once read her diary by accident and claims that she was 20 pages in before realizing it wasn't a Sidney Sheldon novel. I thought it was handwritten. Should have given. Her I, her I was going to say I call BS on this because not once have I ever seen a typed diary yeah. or a handwritten novel. Well, I'll tell you, I was looking into it because um, the name Sidney Sheldon was certainly a familiar name, yeah. but I wasn't sure. And man, that is a. We've talked about this in other episodes uh, for other people, but here's another one who just puts most humans to shame because uh-huh. the guy he created, um, I Dream of Genie. Uh, he also created. Uh, the Patty Duke show um, and Heart to Heart. And then after he turned 50, he began writing um, <laughs> romantic suspense novels. Uh, he wrote 18 novels that sold over 300 million copies in total. Um, Is one that of the, all? Yeah. So We're making a, a podcast, Alan. Yeah, here's a guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least it makes you feel like, okay. We're, we're not even 50 yet. I so. know. We've got like eight, nine years before uh, we hit that and can start writing our best-selling novels. <laughs> um, and then, of course, prior, you know, he had other successes in there as well. But it's like, wow, that's a guy who had 
enormous success in two different entertainment yeah. venues and yeah. pretty good success, I think, in Broadway prior to even that. So, wow. Yeah. But, yeah, I never realized that he did all the other stuff. I thought it was just the smut books. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that a big part of your high school reading list? No, uh, my mother read them. Oh, did she? Yeah. Yeah, very nice. But, yeah, I was uh, I was suitably impressed um, with uh, with his history. Well, uh, you know, Blanche is incensed by this, hearing that she'd uh, read her book, or uh, diary, rather, and tells Rose that, you know, you know, almost to get back at her, she tells her that she had slept with her cross-eyed cousin Nolan during his visit from Ohio, and that he wasn't any good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rose then tells her that she was well aware of this, as uh, Nolan had told her all about mm-hmm. it and claimed that uh, it was Blanche that wasn't any good. Right. And then we have Dorothy jump in and add that, you know, she also slept with Nolan on that same trip and can attest that it was, in fact, Nolan that was no good. Right. Now, again, you know, just like one or two episodes ago, they were giving their kids the business for having, you know, sex in a non-committed uh, relationship. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they necessarily went so far as, say, marital, but definitely about doing it in a, you know, in this kind of a short-term thing. Obviously, yeah. if a cousin's visiting from out of town, <laughs> yeah. there was no time for courtship. He had sex with two of the three, or I mean, two, yeah, two of the three well, non-relatives. So, yeah, yeah, yeah Sophia, Sophia is, doesn't chime Sophia's in. Sophia's a home there. getting some from Toshiro. Right, uh, exactly. Like Rose also, she just yeah. doesn't kiss and tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she knows about Blanche, so. Yeah. Yeah. But it does seem like an odd thing to brag to Rose is like, like, do talk to your cousin about what you've tapped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, me and Shannon all the time. You know exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have a large number of cousins. I have two um, on my mom's side of the family, and uh, the cousins that have my dad's side of the family are ones that I never see um, because they live in other states. So, yeah, so Shannon would definitely be of my two on my mom's side, the one I'd be most likely to tell about my conquests. (laughs) 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 And she would definitely have no interest in hearing about it. Uh So, um, yeah, I don't know. Perhaps her husband, Dave, who is one of our most devoted listeners, I believe, uh, he might have interest, but it would be pretty <laughs> awkward since I've been in a you know nineteen year marriage at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just a matter of me and Sherry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd hope you know I have three kids, so he knows it's happened. I don't think past that he would want to. Do, I don't think he even wants to know that, but I don't think he requires any additional exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, information. So, um, and I can almost guarantee that my cousin Shannon would be disgusted for me to even bring it up um, gotcha. so not to say she's approved but i don't think she has any interest in here about my so listeners life. if you want to know about alan's life <laughs> right yeah you know say 38 not <laughs> 37's reserved right yeah of course but anyways yeah i, I can't say that i bragged to, i don't brag to my friends about that kind of stuff mm-hmm. or didn't in the past um maybe mentioned it but certainly uh, certainly wouldn't to my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> well, aside from throwing poor Nolan under the uh, under the bus, Dorothy also recommends that uh, they kind of keep their priorities in check. They then uh, start uh, sharing some other tidbits with one another, such as we find out that Blanche maybe got her tubes tied, and uh, that Rose apparently had a nose job for seven hundred bucks. Uh, Blanche says that 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 she overpaid. And uh, Dorothy then uh, accuses Blanche of now being overly critical. Blanche spouts back to Dorothy that uh, she's loud and overbearing. Mm -hmm. And Rose then complains to both of them that they both uh, are always bossing her around. And 
Then they, of course, respond in turn with, shut up, Rose, in tandem. Yeah, that's really a pretty harsh insult, too, about the nose job because you figure 700 for any cosmetic surgery would be an incredibly cheap amount. And then to say that you overpaid <laughs> would basically be saying that you got a worse nose than you started with. Yeah. Um, so. yeah. But, I mean, if you consider $700 would be the same price you pay for a week at a Caribbean resort. Right. You know, that seems about equitable. Yeah, well, especially, too, on the shoestring budget these ladies seem to be on through <laughs> yeah. most of their lives. But Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Do you know how many minks you have to kill in your garage to pay for a $700 nose job? After this back and forth to everybody, they all turn away from each other for a few moments before, you know, all turning back and apologizing to one another. And then they share in a big group hug. Uh, Rosen exclaims that she's just so full of love. And and oddly, I thought, breaks into a uh, a tune of, I'd like to teach the world to sing. (laughs) Yeah, I am. I was surprised to find out that song actually originated as a commercial for Coke in 1970. I knew it was part of that. Like, I knew it was associated, but I did not realize. I guess I always assumed that the song came and then was co-opted for Coke. Not that it was a Coke commercial first and then got turned into hit songs by two different groups. Um, And oddly enough, well, and these two groups, it was, uh, so I think it was originally sung as a radio song by the uh, New Seekers, a radio commercial, mm-hmm. um, by the New Seekers. Mm-hmm. And then uh, with the commercial itself, like the, the you know, like a TV commercial, mm-hmm. was done by the Hillside Singers. Mm-hmm. And then after the commercial became such a huge success, both of those groups re-recorded it. Mm-hmm. The New Seekers were apparently in the UK mm-hmm. and recorded it. But in the same year, they both, both versions of the song topped the, let's see, I think the, Hillside was 13 on the Billboard Hot 100, mm-hmm. and the one by the New Seekers was number seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in 1972, <laughs> they were like number 93 and 97 on the yearly list of, you know, most popular songs. So, wow. Yeah, it was, it's, I wonder if there's ever been a time, I mean, I know that there's a lot of black music that was stolen by white singers, mm-hmm. um, probably still happens today, but certainly, mm-hmm. you know, back uh in the older times, I wonder if there's and no song is blacker than I'd like to teach the world. <laughs> well, all I was going to say, what, what I'm getting at is that I wonder if there's ever been a song, like, same like, song done by two performers in the same year that both the charted. The song blacker is Uptown Girl. <laughs> I believe that's a Rolling Stone song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's... That brings up probably my most shameful moment ever in our, my friendship with Brent. Um, What's that? Uh, well, one time I, I mistaked uh, You May Be Right, um, I May Be Crazy, Lunatic, whatever, the song, as a uh, Rolling Stone song. And then yeah. he incredulously um, informed me that it's a Billy Joel song. Yeah. yeah, that was, for someone who's as much of a music junkie as Brent is and, and a music snob to a certain mm-hmm. extent, yeah. it was uh, mortifying yeah. that I made that mistake. Yeah. So. I want to come back to this in a second, but I want you to finish your thought because I hijacked it and I apologize. Oh, no, I think I got it there. Just that uh, I, I, I don't think that, I wonder if there's another song out there yeah. that has been recorded by two artists in the same year mm-hmm. um, and Because essentially one would have been a cover. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the cover yeah. band and aside yeah. from the original, both. Yeah. yeah. And of course, they both, you know, either way you go, it all originated as a commercial song. I, I bet if there has been something like that, it has to do with a movie because yeah, like perhaps. Disney movies, you've got original singers oh, yeah. who sing on the show. 
and then the people who oftentimes will sing it as like a, a record release or something. Yeah, that could be. And I was thinking more like in my thought was more like an Elvis song that had, you know, charted for the uh, less famous, you know, black singer that then Elvis co-opted and uh, made it an even bigger hit because of his name recognition. Probably. But, mm-hmm. It's very possible. The, um, so just along those lines, um, before we sort of backtrack just a bit, um, like the um, Leonard Cohen song, Hallelujah, mm-hmm. that's a song that just seems like every six months somebody oh. else does a version yeah. of or whatever. Um, but there's a really good book, good book called, um, I just had to look it up real quick. Alan White wrote it, and the book is called The Holy and the Broken. But it just basically about the history of the song and the writing and the, like basically how it became so popular. And it all goes back to Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> As everything. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, The Holy or the Broken um, by Alan Light. It's a really good book. So, um, But Billy Joel, I, I recently discovered that um, he does not like the band Fish. Oh, really? Yeah, so fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> now, were you a Billy Joel fan prior to learning that? I news? was. Oh, okay. I was. Um, and the reason, like... <sighs> He'd been getting questionable over the years. Right. But I was like, eh, you know, he's just getting old and grumpy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But it's just pettiness is why he doesn't like fish. Mm. So. All right. So I have to ask, then, if, if Billy Joel, if it's, you know, fuck Billy Joel at this point because mm-hmm. he's not a fan of fish. Yeah. What are your feelings on Michael Jackson music? Oh, I've never been a fan of Michael Jackson. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I just didn't know if it was like, well, listen, they're kids. Who cares? Um, but yeah, fish, no. they have really contributed to society. Yeah, no, I've never been a Michael Jackson oh, okay. fan. So you yeah. didn't have to turn off that fandom. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, yeah, I'm Team Prince. <laughs> if we're talking, <laughs> you know that yeah, it era. It doesn't have to be. I mean, it didn't have to be either it, or. It didn't, but yeah. I, I chose a winner. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> As I tend to do. <laughs> Fair enough. So, yeah. all right. So we're at the beach at this point. Too. Yeah, pretty much closing it, coming Ruth, close to closing no, it out. Kokomo. Rose, yeah. <laughs> Rose starts to sing and is immediately joined by the three missing men mm-hmm. who uh, uh, they return uh, to their spot on the beach, uh, holding fruity drinks and telling the girls that they found a hotel and that it turns out they're on the same island. They just landed now on the good side. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tell them that they uh, have new hotel rooms booked for all of them and to follow them back. Uh, before heading back to the room behind them, Blanche kind of huddles the girls together and asks, you know, that the secrets they exchanged just stay between them, which I would think it would almost go without saying. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, what happens on an abandoned island stays on an abandoned right. island. <laughs> well, and the truth is, is throughout this whole series, at least up to this point, I don't ever remember meeting another mutual friend of the group. So <laughs> exactly. Then they were like, Oh, Carla's coming over. Yeah, like, exactly. Don't tell her about the nose job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, but you know, I guess some occasionally they do work together. So, gotcha. you know, we do know that happens. Uh, Rose tells them that back in scouts, they'd uh, print their fingers and make a blood oath. And then, you know, ask them if they'd like to do that. But of course they again respond with shut up Rose. She uh, smiles and says that she's happy things are now back to normal. Given what happened with Tom, they dodged a bullet. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to be swapping blood there. I I think Ski may be forgetting what happened to Tom. Uh, Tom is Rick. Yeah. So it's an AIDS joke. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Highbrow. Right. (laughs) 
Yeah. Money but, uh, shot. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, she jumps right back into uh, the, the song. The, I like to teach the world to sing. The group joins in and we fade out. Right. Do you think they all shared a Coke once they got back to the... I hope or so. Or got to the I new hotel? So, yeah. I think Rick did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I was talking about Coca-Cola or Coca-Cane. Yeah, not a base ingredient back in the day. But. So, yeah, so it's... Uh, I don't know, overall... It, well, I guess we'll see. Um, who is your... Uh, I, I think we discussed favorite lines already. Who is your favorite or who's your MVP of this one, Ski? I'm going with uh, Toshiro still. See, I was I was so ready to give yeah. it to Toshiro. If it didn't peter out, I would have. Um, but because it has such an unsatisfying, unceremonious it, it ending to the B story, I, I have to give my um, MVP to Rose. I don't think either of the other two really rose above the kind of mediocrity of the story. But at least Rose had another one of her mm-hmm. scenarios that I yeah. thought was good. And then her taking over at the end yeah. I thought was enjoyable, too. I kind of wish she hadn't fallen apart there mm-hmm. and given an over just, the reins to Dorothy. But um, Just stood strong as the leader right? Yeah, in crisis. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, taking credit for them surviving the ordeal <laughs> at the yeah. end. But, um, but yeah, overall, I'd still give it to Rose. So. Yeah. How about you, Brent? Um, I'm going to go and give it to Sophia. Um, just because I do wish that we'd got a bit more with that storyline. Mm. Um, but I just like that she was just very, you know, she took charge. Like yeah. she saw something she wanted and she went for it. Um, and she I was just pretty forward about it too. She was, yeah. she was, she's like, you know, I got the yellow fever and I'm not apologizing for it. <laughs> yeah. She's offering <laughs> up the tang right to begin with. Exactly. Too, so. Exactly. Um, I just thought it was sweet. And I also thought that I'm Estelle Getty just did a good performance. Yeah. Um, I always, you know, I just like the way that she, when she sort of leans into being an elderly character, mm-hmm. you know, like the tiny steps and like the gentle padding of the couch and different things like that. Right. And then the way she just sort of, you know, flipped it when she answered the telephone. Yeah. She's like, who is it? <laughs> <laughs> so well, That's why I answer the phone every time, uh, personally. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So anyways, I'm giving it to Estelle Getty, Sophia. Okay. And how many uh, slices of cheesecake did this one earn for you, Ski? Uh, I think it was a six. A six, really? Yeah. I, I thought it was a mediocre episode. Um, I, like I said, I thought that the B story had so much potential that was unrealized. And um, well, for me, it's I think I think mine was higher up, and then maybe I should have given this uh, to Rose as well. But I thought the the story about the uh, the revolutionaries <laughs> really put it over the top for me. I mean, I, I really enjoyed that particular story, mm-hmm. but the episode as a whole i don't know it just once in a while i feel like that the uh, what's that no (laughs) once in a while i feel like that they go a little off um just a little too uh, it's a little hard for my suspension of disbelief when things (laughs) get a little too too crazy um and so yeah i don't know I, i thought it was Personally, that was a little below average, so I only gave it a three and well, a half. I, I did think that their uh, use of time management was a little poor because I think they mm-hmm. should have looped back to Sophia at least one more time. Yeah, yeah. It, it does seem odd. Like I don't know how they would have done that. Like where would they have cut away from the Goldens? Well, I kind of liked Alan's idea about the girls finally getting back home and seeing Sophia mm-hmm. with. Her uh, gentleman caller. Yeah, I mean, you feel like they could have added 30 seconds. Cut. I mean, I feel like you could have cut 30 seconds out of either, you know, the bathroom scene. There, there had to yeah, be 30 yeah. seconds somewhere they could have cut out and had them walking in yeah. and her like, ma, ma, and then they yeah. go back to the bedroom and there she is. Yeah. Do, yeah. Do, do. yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. 
So I don't know. That, that would, and had they done that, now Grant, I don't know if that would have been satisfying enough for me, but I just feel like they could have cut some time there and given a more complete wrap-up to that one. Yeah. I just don't know as far as the editing, though. Like, would the Goldens have made up, and then you cut to Sophia, and then you cut back to the Goldens being rescued? No, I think that it would have been... I think you could have had them rescued, going off singing, had their makeup, but then still finish the episode off with them returning home um, just that last little bit. That's what I would have well, liked to have Actually, seen. they had a perfect spot for it. Like when they when Rose sends the boys off to go get the firewood and stuff, and then mm-hmm. they flash forward, they could have cut some time right in there. Right, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, yeah, they could have cut a little time there, or they could have um, even cut a little out of the B story. There was probably 30 seconds yeah. of interaction between her and Toshida that uh, could have been... Yeah. I don't know. That, that's just would have been my preference. Yeah. But overall, I thought it was a little harebrained of a, an A story. Yeah. Um, not a lot of great lines that stood out to okay. me. And the B story, I thought just... It was an okay B story, and mm-hmm. I liked Sophia in it, and I liked Toshiba in it. Um, but uh, I just felt like it, it just came up short for me. So I only gave it three and a half. Yeah. Um, I'll give it four. Four. So, yeah. so fair enough. Cool. So... Well, I think I will say this much, though. Even though the episode I thought was a little subpar, I thought the recap was one of our finest. So yeah, I, yeah. I think that our, our episode here uh, was one of the most enjoyable so yeah. far. So, yeah. you know, I guess we'll find out uh, if the fans, uh, I think that'd be fair to call it plural, um, if the fans <laughs> <laughs> enjoyed it as much as well. And uh, you never know. Keep it, keep an ear out for that lucky 38 and uh, stay golden. Oh, 37. <laughs> Damn it. Stay golden anyway. Stay golden, Coco. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at sophiaschoicepc. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.